Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. We're going to bring y'all into our huddle. You are in Warriors Huddle with me, Bram. Joining me per usual, my producer, Marcus. What's up, Dub Nation? And our master of all things sound, Maxime. How's it going? Boys, you can already tell, but I'm still fired up to announce that rejoining us after not too long, thankfully enough, the Golden State B-Writer for the San Francisco Chronicle, a man who covers every single Warriors practice, press conference, shoot, around, and game, and a guy who's just simply too awestruck to say a single syllable to Bubbles from the Wire, Mr. <laughs> Connor Letourneau. What's going on, Connor? Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Of course, man. And to his right, in a just frustratingly matching sweatshirt, which we just covered, and I'm sure we'll talk about today, the Barry News Group's Warriors Specialist, the host of the Locked on Warriors NBA podcast, and a man who is not afraid to shout out, or shout out rather, the Marriott Hotel Group, Mr. <laughs> Wes Goldberg. What's going on, Wes? UCF 2017 National Champs. Yeah. Okay. So these guys come in. Wes is wearing a UCF shirt, and he is, you know, he's told us before he's Mr. Miami. He likes to discuss the city, and you know, fair enough. So I ask him, you know, are you just trying to stay on brand, or did you in fact go there? And before he could complete his answer, Connor points out that he's also wearing a UCF sweatshirt. Apparently, Bram's blind. By the way, <laughs> I mean, I didn't expect. <laughs> that you guys would be wearing matching sweatshirts and I didn't you didn't go there so there's a reason why I didn't look for it I've established myself as a psychopath you boys not necessarily this is annoying me is it annoying you or not really not as much as it's annoying you you're sweating over here I am it's really annoying me I think only because I feel left out and I wish I was wearing a UCF sweatshirt like if I'm being completely honest that's probably why you can buy them online <laughs> what do you think I'm doing right now boys you've been involved in any bomb threats in your recent past no, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> no, I shouldn't say unfortunately. unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, best part, best perk of the job, the occasional bomb threat. Keeps it exciting. I just felt like Adrenaline I was disappointing rush. you by saying no, so that's why I said unfortunately. You did. You did disappoint me, but not as much as your sweatshirt choice has. Uh, let's move over to my favorite segment of the pod. It's the off-the-court report. I'm hoping that you may have another Portland donut story, but I'm not sure. Mm. Jokes aside... The idea behind this segment is easy. Wes and Connor have an access to this team that we can only dream of. We watch what happens on the floor. They see what happens off of it. They travel with them. They're at the practices. They see these guys. So during this segment, take advantage of the access. I shut up. Ask them for a story. Boys, what do you got? Yeah, so just a couple days ago, um, we're in Portland. And just, just so you guys know, this is really true at every NBA arena. But, you know, the court is about... I'd say a foot above, you know, the, the rest of the floor. Um, and so that you have the front row seats, the, the floor is a little bit elevated in front of those front row seats. And so Steve, Steve always does his shoot around availability in one of those front row seats. So there's like a scrum of people around him. And after his shoot around availability, when it started to break up, I went up to him and I said, Hey, I just had a couple more questions. I, I was doing a little thing. It was Martin Luther King Day, and they had, they had talked to his uh, speech, Martin Luther King speed trader a couple weeks ago. No one had really written about that, so I wanted to ask him a couple more questions about it to do a little story. And I go to sit down next to Steve, literally right next to Steve, but I had put my legs, like, too far back, so I end up, like, falling over into the chair because I I and I put my feet o- over the where the court is. Wait a minute, which chair? The chair that Steve's sitting it's in next to it, right next oh, to it. That's and unfortunate. It was so almost the way. Yeah. I stumbled backwards and into this chair, 
And Steve's just looking at me like, you okay? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just wanted and, to ask you this while seated. And, and, as, I was trying to sit, that, but I, I, I stepped too far back while I was trying to sit. It was the problem. And uh, everyone, all the other media members are kind of dispersing and they kind of see me out of their peripheral vision and kind of chuckle at me. And I'm, okay, so let's do this interview now. Uh, I just embarrassed myself. Do you acknowledge Um, it? Do you say, because I imagine Steve Kerr is a type of uh, personality where he's willing to laugh at that if you want him to, you know? So you diffuse it with a joke immediately, like you may have just seen me try to give you a lap dance, or do you just Yeah, I said something like, I think I said something like, I hope I'm better asking questions than sitting down. Yeah, there you go. Um, And he kind of chuckled. Um, Were you guys both wearing UCF shirts? (laughs) No, I was actually wearing a full suit at the time, too, to add to this. Uh, So... I love yeah. other people's Pratt Falls. That's just right up my humor alley. So <laughs> phenomenal story. Um, how'd the interview go? Work out I mean, all it was right? fine. Got the job done. <laughs> Wasn't anything no broken phenomenal. <laughs> um, I think I took too long with the interview, though, because at the end, I could tell he was, I don't want to say annoyed, but he needed to actually go do something for his job and was like, I really need to go now and just swiftly left. Well, and to be fair, you tried to get up twice and kept falling back into the chair. So, I mean, you know, he thought the interview was never going to end. It was, it was what it was. Wes, you got anything for us? Uh, Yeah. So Clay Thompson um, recently had his jersey retired at Washington State. Congrats. That's really cool. Blah, blah, blah. Um, And he has not spoken with the media all year because he hasn't had to. Did you just throw a blah, blah, blah behind him having his jersey retired? Et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> yeah, yeah, only the second <laughs> jersey retirement ever in Washington State. Yeah, whatever. Go, we were there uh, for some reason. I don't remember. Go Cougs. Uh, they're just, they haven't won a national championship like UCF has. <laughs> so I just... They haven't made the NCAA tournament since 2008. Yeah, this isn't a go f- Washington State podcast, but oh, nonetheless, I, on I interrupted your story. My apologies, back to you. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, he um, hasn't spoke with the media all year because he's been injured. And uh, they worked it out, the Warriors PR staff, great group of people, worked it out to say, hey, Clay, you are going to talk to the media because they super need quotes for this. Yeah. Like, everybody's writing a story on this. And so I think he agreed, obviously. He agreed to do something before the game. We get there 15 minutes before tip-off, which was when it was scheduled, 7 o'clock, 7.15, something like that. And he doesn't show up. He's definitely late to the game. He's probably not even at the arena at that point, uh, feeding Rocco or something. And uh, so we, we're all in this room, and they come in. The PR staff's like, okay, you know what? We're going to do it at halftime. We're like, yeah, obviously. So we go cover the game. We go back down for halftime. He doesn't show up the entire halftime until five minutes, maybe, like two minutes into when the third quarter is going to start. He finally shows up. And the press conference it was finally the most clay thing ever. It was the most clay thing. And it was also the most predictable. Like, we all were just, like, taking bets. I like, literally said pre I'm like, why are we even going in there? Because he's not going to show up. <laughs> you did say that. <laughs> and, uh, and so if you're wondering why you, you saw a bunch of Clay Thompson tweets, like, early in the third quarter in of the that middle game. the third quarter of a game. Because <laughs> he was talking to us. Yeah. Yeah, and distracted us from the game. So we had no idea what happened in the third quarter. Yeah, so I had to write a game story <laughs> off. Something that I didn't watch very a lot of crucial moments. Of. You missed nothing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah good news. No Clay crucial talk- moments were missed. You were fine. Clay had the wonderful audacity to actually say, "Hey, you know what? I actually missed this. You're welcome for me being here." <laughs> he literally said that. He literally said that. I was like, "Well, I would have been a lot more thankful if you had been on time." But. No, no. Uh, <laughs> I did not say that. No, I was just about to say, there's no way that you said that. So when that happens, are you guys allowed to ask, like, why are you late? Like, is there any actual We could discussion? have asked him, and he probably would have just not answered. The thing is, there's not a good answer, because yeah. he wasn't doing anything. He didn't have to play. He didn't have to get ready for the game. He's literally like, I just didn't want to show up. Yeah. <laughs> what did his demeanor seem like? I mean, just having, you got to, I think he, he kind of warmed up into it, right? Like, so at first I think he was just like, he, he kind of waltzed into the room a little bit, kind of sat down, kind of took, like, it was the first time since media day, like other than media, he's never sat at that table during then. So, um, he sort of warmed up into his answers. And then when Connor actually asked a question about, uh, Washington state, Pullman, Washington, where Washington state is. I think you, you asked a question to the effect of how, what, how did, what did you do to pass the doldrums? Right in a place like Pullman. in a place like Pullman, and Clay goes doldrums, 
and, and, and he's like, what does that word mean? <laughs> no, he was like, he was like, as soon as I I said the word doldrums, he immediately reacted. Yes. And pulled out of the question and said doldrums. <laughs> and then when I finished this question, he he looked at stared at me for like a couple seconds and was like, can I get a definition? <laughs> like like we're in. Putnam County bee. Spelling Bee or something. <laughs> Putnam County Spelling Bee, which and, I did not place. And uh, <laughs> and I, I just said, oh, it's kind of like you know boredom. And he's like, I like that word. Okay. Well, and he then, went through the whole. He went through the entire answer, and then at the end, somebody else was asking a question, and then he just looked back and he's like, I like that. Don't you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he wasn't listening to the other question. <laughs> no, and was just reacting and to. I think the next question, the the reporter who asked it, and I use reporter in light terms, uh, said. Steph, and then went into his question, and then Clay goes, "Did you just call me Steph, bro?" And then the guy goes, "No, I said stuff." And he's like, "Oh, okay." Did you I just don't call believe me you. Stuff? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wait, like, he said, "I don't believe you." Yeah, it's like I don't believe you. But he's like, "It better be a good question." And the guy and the goes, question. "What? How did you deal with the cold?" I'm sorry if whoever's he's like that was a, that was a good question. He goes, "That was a good question." I was like, "He's being nice because that was a question." But. <laughs> Did anybody call him Barkley or something? But honest question, doldrums isn't that big of a word, no, is it? No, and what I'd love... Like, love it, I, I didn't think that was a word that the average person didn't know. No, okay. and it's it's a simple enough word, unless you have a uber amount of confidence, you just pretend like you understand it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. like, like I do that 10 times a day. You throw a word towards me, and I'm just like, oh, yeah, of course, and I hope that, that I'm responding good. to it well. If I was talking to the media, that would be... 30,000 times more true right. and like the idea that he was confident enough in himself to be like whoa hold on hold on <laughs> let's figure out this word I've never heard before you know like that's that's supreme uh, personality and I love and the then idea. in the story that included that quote I was able to get the word doldrums in the story Boom. and I was proud of myself I just wish he had fielded a question where have you been and he was like the doldrums <laughs> <laughs> dropped the mic and got the hell out of there let's transition to the Warriors boys and I want to go back to a segment we haven't done for a while Let's set up the idea, and then I'll give you the name. The idea is give him the bag. This entire year, if we're going to keep our sanity, if we're going to look at it in the right way, really, it's a training camp. You know, it's an 82-game training camp. It's a long training camp, but it's an opportunity to see who can help us next year. One of the first people I wrote off, principally because I hated his eyebrows, Jordan Poole. He was awful to start That's a stand hot. I have not heard that taken. I'm jealous. I didn't think of it. Does he have well manicured eyebrows? He doesn't. He has. They're not actually. They're not well manicured. And even more than that, he looked genuinely shocked every time he missed a shot, even though he was shooting like 8%, which I just don't understand. I'm not shocked when gravity works. Like, that's what happened my entire life. And his eyebrows always communicated a confusion that just didn't land with me. But to be fair, he has somewhat turned it around. Might be about a week late with this take, but to be accurate for him, um, he had a three-game stretch where he impressed me. Uh, I believe it, he had four good games, didn't he? Uh, well, if I thought that, I probably would have used the word four. So <laughs> on, on the 14th, he had 17-5 and five on 50% shooting, 16th, 10-2 and two steals on 44% shooting, and then most impressively on the 18th, he had 21 points on 42%. Let me just ask it straight out. Start us off, MT. Did we write this guy off too early? I don't think so. I mean, I think you need a larger sample size. You need to look at the whole season. But, um, you know, the the confidence has always been there. The shot hasn't always been there. So, um, you know, do I give him the bag? No, I don't. You know, he's on his rookie contract. I think he needs to still prove that out. And I'm still not convinced that he was worth the pick that he got that we got him at. Where was that? Remind me. 28. Yeah. Um, first rounder, but towards the back end of it. Uh, There's not a lot of value that usually comes at 28. Uh-huh. Would you guys, let me ask it a different way. Do you think there's a chance that he'll be an asset next year? I think so. I think so. I'll, I'll take responsibility. I think I definitely was in the camp of people who probably overreacted to his slow start. And his I eyebrows. Mean, it, it was just... It was pretty prolonged. I mean, he was bad for over two months. You know, you, you have a bad month, okay. He And he wasn't just bad. I mean, he was the worst shooter in the entire NBA. Um, and in the month of December, he shot 10% from the field. And he shot a lot. Yeah. Um, this isn't a guy who was playing five minutes a game. He was playing significant rotation minutes and was awful. And the thing that concerned me was 
he looked downright overwhelmed at times. I mean, he looked like he was not ready for the moment. He looked scared. And this is a guy who was drafted largely for his quote-unquote swagger, confidence. And he looked like he just did not belong. And I seriously questioned if he was an NBA player because his his big signature trademark was his I shot. Guess. And he wasn't making shots. It's like, okay, you're not making shots. What else can you do? You're also not right. defending. You're not passing. You're not really doing anything. Um, only hurting the team. So I do think that he had a breakthrough. I think going to the G League really helped him. We actually saw a G League game of his in Santa Cruz where he was dominant. He had the ball in his hands and seemed to really be enjoying himself. And he's. I talked to Ron Adams today about him, and he said the big thing with him was he just needed to simplify things because mm-hmm. you look at the greatest players in NBA history, Michael Jordan, Hakeem Olajuwon, Karl Malone, they all had pretty simple games, and then over time, they added subtle nuances to their game. And I think it's easy for rookies to come in and try to add all those nuances in one fell swoop as a rookie. And when he was struggling, he was adding wrinkles to his game that he never had before. You know, he was he was doing the stutter step and the, the extra dribbles and the pump fakes that he had never done before. And uh, so just getting back into that catch-and-shoot mold and, and being that guy that they wanted him to be, um, I think has helped a lot, and I, I do think he can be a player. I don't. I don't think he's going to be a stud by any means, but right. I think he can be a legitimate rotation player in the NBA. No, I mean, I, I, I was going to say I'm not going to go as far as Connor and saying he's going to be the next Carl Malone, but I will say that <laughs> or, or uh, Jordan or Michael Jordan. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Because uh, that's totally what I just said. Yeah, I, I thought it was weird that you said that, but I mean, whatever. You know, the table speaks for itself. <laughs> um, I, I like. I, I don't know. I, I, I he was maybe the worst player in the NBA for a long part of the season, and I don't think that's an exaggeration. But um, I don't know why you use the phrase maybe. No, yeah, I mean, he probably was I mean, at least over rotation players. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And. But as far as picking him at 28, I mean, I was just looking at who was picked after him, and you can make an argument that, like, after 28, there's nobody really better, even when Jordan Poole was playing that way. Eric Paschal. I mean, but that wasn't selected by the Warriors. Yeah. Eric Paschal and Alan Smiley. I mean, the one guy that, like, stands out to me is Daniel Gafford from um, uh, the Bulls, just a nice big man, but, like, whatever. Like, you end up getting Paschal and Smiley Geach, so. What about your boy from UCF? Taco Fall. Taco Fall will, I think he he's going to be an all-star, right? um, but, uh, you know, not in this year, he actually, maybe next year. Talk about the next Carmel. They're actually both wearing his jersey. <laughs> so, I mean, it makes perfect sense that you would ask about him immediately. Um, let me distill it to this question, and Maxime, I'll throw it your direction first. If you could magically snap your fingers and cancel his contract for Jordan Poole so that the Warriors have no obligation to him next year, would you? No. Why not? I think he deserves a little bit of runway. I mean, you know, it's his first season. Yeah. I th- generally speaking, PSA, I want to go back to what Connor said. <clears throat> like, you don't usually get gold at the 28th pick. I think we kind of need to lay off of Myers and this whole narrative of, like, this front office doesn't know what they're doing late in the first round. Give him some time. Like, people are calling him a bust. It's like, can you, even if he was the worst player of all time, you couldn't call him a bust because he was the 28th pick. Yeah. yeah. The, only two players of any consequence in the past 20 years have been drafted. Tony Parker. Uh, of at twenty eight, Tony Parker. Nailed yes, it. boom. And you another guy. A little nervous about that, like you weren't sure that was right. Were you? Yeah, because he didn't say yes immediately. No, and I was like, oh god. And the way you said it, I was like, he must be right. Tony and Parker he must be and a wrong. guy from the who played for a long time for the Heat. What was the other one? Uh, who played for the Heat at twenty eight? Yeah, small forward slash shooting guard. Welcome who? back to Miami Heat Trivia Podcast <laughs> <laughs> with Bram, Wayne Connor, Simeon. Marcus, and Maxime. <laughs> um. Uh, Ellington, Wayne Ellington. Oh, Wayne Ellington. Yeah, uh, right. Wayne wrong Ellington. Wayne. Yeah. I'll tell you what speaks to me. And he's only a role player. What you said, um, and I'll keep it personal. If I was becoming an NBA player in my rookie year, I bet you I would think and would be mistaken that I need to have my full game right then. Yeah. I'm a professional now. You know, everything's changing. They're paying me for this. I better have every tool in my bag ready to go. And if someone has calmly explained to him, no, this isn't the pinnacle of your, of your career, it's the beginning. Dial it back, not forward. Go to the things you already know how to do, and that's why we're seeing this improvement? Well, then that, there's a hell of a reason for optimism. He was just doing too much too soon, something I can associate with. You know. Now, if that's not true, and I'm borrowing this phrase from you, MT, when we did unfortunately label him a bust, which probably was unfair at the 28th pick, one of the things that you said was it's not like he looks off. 
he just looks like he can't shoot. It's not like an inch to the left or like pressure is affecting him. It's like watching my four-year-old shoot from three-point range, you know, but if we were off on that and he has now had an increased amount of confidence, um, there's certainly reason to give him a little bit more rope. And if we're already paying him a lot to the contract, then no, you wouldn't. And apparently he's only two nuances away from being Michael Jordan. Right there. It's there right, there. Or, or, right there. Or uh, Hakeem Elijah one, I think, was thrown in there too. Real disparate games. So, I mean, maybe he's got a back-to-the-basket game we just don't know about. I think it's, the comparison to the Wayne Ellington is good, though. I mean, he could grow into being... Oh, I wasn't comparing right so now, one but, Yeah, but I mean, I think... Yeah. Never, don't even answer these charges. <laughs> <laughs> on the I, there's a lot of things being said about things I've said. No, so it is true. So the spectrum you're saying is Wayne Ellington and then Michael Jordan on the other side. Somewhere so in between. We've got somewhere, somewhere there. We've got somewhere there, which, you know, it's good. Well, Wayne Ellington is tremendous value at 28. Exactly. I, I think the thing with Jordan Poole's game that really stands out to me and why I'm, I'm, I would consider myself bullish on Jordan Poole, actually, because I think he does have a really good feel for the game. He's an incredible passer. Like he just is. Like he's so that no like, pass. Yeah, the leaps ago. and bounds. Like for like as as far back as he was from like a shooting perspective, which is why he was drafted allegedly. I mean, he's immediately out the box a really good. I honestly passer. want His to anticipation see him. Is I want to see him as the backup point guard. I want to I, see he, him. He deserves that more than Jacob Evans. I want to see him getting those backup point guard minutes yes. as a, instead of Jacob Evans. Yes, I think absolutely. I think that that might be his greatest value because he we we like I said we were we went to that G League game and he was their point guard and he looked like a different player when yeah. the ball was in his hands. He's got tremendous feel, tremendous touch. He's gotten a lot better defensively. Vision. And I think he can guard I think that position give, one-on-one. I think he could be a point guard in the league, and I'd love to see them give him that opportunity. Instead least, of Wayne Ellington, limited role. Sean Livingston with a three-point shot. Like, Warriors Sean Livingston. So, Jordan. Point shot. So, yeah. Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> um, if I'm going to give him a compliment, not if, if I'm going to start up a segment that is designed to show we may have spoken about his skill set too early, let me say this. His confidence is unquestioned. Um, if it was me, and obviously I'm not the standard, but if it was me, if I had a 10% shooting month, you know how much I'm shooting that next month? None. None. He made four shots total okay. in December. There's no way. And he played the entire month. real minutes. And, 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 he, <laughs> yes. and, he, and he kept shooting. He kept shooting in December. He kept shooting in January. He mm-hmm. shot in the G League. He shot in the NBA. The type of self-confidence that requires is virtually superhuman. If everybody on earth is watching you, millions of viewers are commenting that you're a bust and you can't shoot and you're off to the left. If some asshole podcaster is likening you to his four-year-old daughter from three-point range and you're still willing to shoot, that's, you know, that's an impressive thing and something that may serve him really well. Next step, shave the eyebrows, but we'll get there. We don't have to go that fast. Everybody calm down, but let's go ahead. And move to our next segment, one we tried out last week, one we really need your guys' help with. So another way that this team is going to improve going into next year, possibly, is with some offseason or current moves, some trades. And we're speeding towards the February 6th trade deadline. So last week, we did a who says no segment where we hit the trade machine as hard as we could, came up with some trades, and then talked about it on two different angles. I give you guys a trade, then you tell us, all right, if I was Bob Myers, would I do it? Now... Bob Myers and whomever the GM for the other team, would they actually do it, right? One trade really caught my eye. So we we threw around Carl Anthony Towns. We played around with that. We played around with Ben Simmons. We played around with some really big names. But the trade that Marcus came up with has since got a little traction. I took to Twitter, got billions of reactions. That is a gross overstatement. Uh, But people tended to have a very serious reaction to this. So I want your guys' take. D'Angelo Russell and the first rounder goes to Phoenix in exchange for Aiton and Kelly Oubre Jr. Whichever one of you guys want to go first, handle it. I, mean, for- I think you just do it for Oubre by himself. Why? But, no, Are you being yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> I'm just kidding because he loves him some Kelly, Kelly Oubre. I have a love affair with Kelly Oubre. Why? Uh, why? Yeah, oh, start me there. So many reasons. Uh, how long do we have on the podcast? Um, <laughs> Uh, first of all, I love his length, his wingspan, and just like his physical profile is perfect for today's NBA. I mean, right. I'm not going to say Kawhi Leonard, but I'm also not going to say Michael Jordan. So I, I think that just from that perspective, he's really switchable. He fits what the Warriors like to do defensively. He just fits whatever team wants to do defensively. And Are you saying he has a similar ceiling to Jordan Poole then? I would say at least that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Uh, so... Um, but, you know, the eyebrows aren't a problem, so that's a positive. 
great take. <laughs> great take. Now, I've always liked you, Wes. That's why they keep bringing me on. Uh, so, uh, yeah, he, he's developed a lot every single year offensively. I mean, I liked him coming out of Kansas, but every year he's added something new to his game. He's got that confidence that we keep talking about. I just think like a prototype for today's NBA, and I, he's kind of labeled as a 3 and D guy. I, I think he could be like more than That's that. That's literally what I was going to ask you, okay? so And I, and I want to get your answer to the real question. Would you, in fact, do it if you were in charge of the Warriors? But one of the things that got thrown back in my face by the billions of commenters on the trade mm. was Ubre's in his seventh year. Um, How old is he? Like twenty? I don't know. But what he, they, he entered the six. league at nineteen. Though. Okay, he's really young. He's so, like twenty-five. So what they're screaming at me is he's hit his. We know who he is. There's there's no more room. Yeah. This is who this guy is. Do you agree with that criticism? No, because he spent what two years in Washington or something like yeah. that. That doesn't count because that's it's like spending two years in Sacramento. It's yeah. just like you throw that away. Or Phoenix. Or Phoenix. Right? Or right? Phoenix. Okay. Well, and, and he's actually. Despite Phoenix has become a really good player there, so would you do um, the trade? He's only twenty four, by the way. And he just okay. turned twenty four. Okay, yeah, twenty four. So and, and, and 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 D'Angelo's twenty three. Okay. Uh, the thing that I hesitate on, you know what? Yeah, I would because uh, I, I would probably ask for another draft pick back from Phoenix, and that would probably get me over the top there. But just because if I'm the Warriors, I don't have a lot of draft picks. This pick, first round, I mean, define it for us. What would you ask for? I would, I would want this pick because okay. they're they're going to be like in the. Somewhere, yeah. so I'd probably ask for this one. So you swap, let's call it twelve for uh-huh. two. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense because my whole thing with D'Angelo Russell, if you're going to trade D'Angelo Russell, you have to either you have to make a clear upgrade there, which is not Robert Covington. The clear upgrade it would be somebody. I'm not saying Kelly Oubre is a better player in a vacuum, but like on this team, he would be a clear upgrade. Like he would, he's, and more, he's got he a great ceiling, a positional need, yeah, and exactly right. And with DeAndre Ayton, that's better than anybody you're going to get in the top five of this draft. This draft sucks. Yeah, this draft's bad. And Aiton is not as good as several players taken in that draft, including Trey Young and Luka Doncic. Is he better than Wiseman? Yes. I think he's better than Wiseman. I don't think that's, he's, that's he's close. I don't think that's close. Yeah. He's definitely better than Wiseman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not high on Wiseman at all. Um, I'm yeah. not sure he's going to be a, even a good player in the NBA. We know you do this trade. I would do this trade. I, I hadn't seen it, and so, but it's a very intriguing one. Uh-huh. It's more intriguing than the other ones mix. I had I had heard. And I think Phoenix would do it too because D'Angelo Russell, Devin Booker, etc. It makes sense. That's exactly what. Um, Can you make Maxime the money work? Uh, yeah, the money, yeah, the money works. works fine. You could because Uber makes way too much money, right? No, no, Uber signed the extension. It lines up. Yeah, okay. you could you can make that trade work for sure. And I think the sale to Phoenix, if I'm Myers and I make the call, even if it's a lie, look, you get fifty percent of Aiton back with Wiseman. You're good to go there. We're giving you D'Angelo an All Star, and you now have two of the three triumvirate that you. It, really it want. makes sense too because um, the Suns are going to try to keep. Booker long term, and yep. he is best friends in exactly life right. with and if, if, with D'Angelo, yeah. and also you know that's a positional need point guard that they they've they've needed a point guard more than any team in the yeah. NBA yeah. for a while. And then, like Maxime said, then you go after Cat and you say we have D'Angelo and Booker. Mm-hmm. You know, we want Carl Anthony Towns. It makes a lot of sense. Use that top five pick instead of taking Wiseman and yeah. try to move him for Cat. Huh? Honestly, if I'm if I'm Phoenix and you give me like that, I can get out of the DeAndre Ayton thing because Aaron Baines has been borderline an yep. All Star center this season. Yeah, like, yeah, maybe you just do it that way. Okay, so look at it this way: Steph, Clay, Ubre, Draymond, Ayton. Can that closing five win a championship? Is that rhetorical? Why? Ayton Clay are close already yeah. too. That that helps. I they're know, they're why they, do they got the Bahamian roots. Uh, Clay's True. dad is from the Bahamas. But you meant they both smoked weed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then I should be their friend too. That sounds fantastic. Uh, <laughs> I heard Bohemian too. I was all the way in. I started getting really excited. I finally got over the UCF like thing. Mercury thing. Uh, I wasn't sure. No, but they uh, Clay's known uh, DeAndre since DeAndre was twelve. Okay, I've actually written about that. They're they've known they have a relationship. They're cool. Um, I, I think I'm I'm not a huge fan of these just like pull pull a rhetoric uh, random ass. You're into uh, this. You're into this trade. Yeah, a random. Trade. I actually don't know that Phoenix ass. would do it. No, so that's the next. Question. I think I would. Would the Warriors do it? Start there. Yes. Bob Myers says yes. 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 They do it. The Warriors. I don't think do the Warriors it. are not high on the D'Angelo fit. Huh. Okay. They wow. don't think he's gonna fit long term. Why do you say that? Uh, because he. To be at his best, he requires the ball in yep. his hands, and Steph obviously requires the ball in his hands. And when they played together, it was a very small sample size, yep. but when they played together, D'Angelo Russell had the worst plus-minus in the entire NBA. That's not good? It's not good. <laughs> um, I just don't think that they can coexist. I think you would have to stagger them, and you don't want to stagger two of your best players Do all the time. Do they think that? 
Do they, they think they these do guys think, cannot coexist? Uh, well, I don't. I won't say that they think that they hundred percent can't. But I think that they would like, if possible, they would like to find a better fit. Okay. So Warriors, and I do think that Kelly Oubre. The thing about Kelly Oubre and Aiton is they both fill the two biggest positional right. needs on right. this team, which are right. center and small forward. And we upgrade the draft pick. If Wiseman's not the guy we yeah. think we are, you Aiton's also move Clay better. back to shooting guard, uh-huh. which is where you want it. Exactly. That's exactly right. You put everybody into their position of power. Do you? Th- I mean, does Phoenix say yes to this? I don't think they do. That's the thing. They're high on DeAndre Ayton. The thing, Even if we the, get the, the number reason one you, pick, see, I would. I, if I was the pick. Warriors, I would, Here, I would do that trade Ayton. and throw in another draft pick. When, like, how? Like next year's first, next year's second. You complete the trade. If I would maybe throw in another first, even knowing that you're going to. It's I wouldn't gonna go be that a, far. It's going to be. I don't a think. I just. I don't think you're getting. I, I'm not sold on DeAndre, DeAndre Ayton's long term viability defensively. I have a lot of questions with him. Mm. Uh, Kelly Oubre is bullish as I am on him. I mean. There are things that D'Angelo Russell can do that a lot of players in this league can't, and it's a very novel skill set. And you don't like you, and like I keep saying, you only trade him for a clear upgrade. Uh, you don't just trade him for bit pieces that fit better. Like, fit is overrated. I've gone on this podcast and said that before. Uh, I so I I would stop short of throwing in another pick. And if I'm Phoenix, a big reason and this does matter, especially with a front office like Phoenix, is you don't want to admit a loss on a guy like DeAndre Ayton, especially when you took him over Luka Doncic, mm-hmm. right? Because would you trade Luka Doncic for D'Angelo Russell? Hell no, you wouldn't. Yeah. So of course it's it, if they view DeAndre Ayton like they people view Luka, which presumably they do because they took him face. over. Luka. This is the same You're franchise though that has given so up would, on draft picks so many times after a couple of years. I mean. Yeah. Not a, not the number one pick. Yeah, but, that's hey, very different. No one talks about the fact that they gave up on Drajan and Devin Bender Booker after. and Devin Booker just signed. Drajan Bender was the number three pick in the draft. Who? Drajan Bender. Who? Yeah. <laughs> and what? to uh, Bonte's point last week, when we were talking about it. He James Jones is the GM, and he's young and inexperienced, so he may be more willing to. Oh, he, or it could go the other way, and he's really nervous about making a mistake and yeah. wouldn't want to make a gigantic move. I'll tell you what, I would add an additional first-rounder if Aiton would bring the steroids he used earlier in the year. <laughs> I feel like that could really help the team. I mean, like, who knows, right? And we have Balco in our backyard, so maybe we don't need it, but right. it's worth throwing out there. Um, let me give you boys a brand-new trade, one we did not cover last week. Let me give you the player, and then Maxime will give you the trade. The player is Andre Drummond, 26-year-old, 6'11", 280-pound Old school center, kind of a back-to-the-basket guy, rebound monster, uh, rim defender, but doesn't necessarily fit into the Warriors' offensive scheme. What's our trade? So I'm proposing Andre Drummond and basically a salary filler shooting guard, Bruce Brown, but they got two other ones, so take your pick, in exchange for D'Angelo Russell and Willie Cauley-Stein. Who are the other two shooting guards? Call my bluff. I gotta. I gotta look him up. <laughs> Thing about Andre Drummond's game that I like a lot: underrated passer. He he can he can facilitate a little bit. He's got good vision, obviously, because he's tall. Uh, I I kind of like Andre Drummond in a weird way. Uh, of the traditional centers left in the NBA, I kind of like him the most. Does your vision get better as you get taller? It gets. Uh, <laughs> I just wasn't aware of that. I, I have not gone through medical school. That's that's a very it interesting gets fact. Worse, actually. I did not. I mean, either way, I didn't know that there was a correlation between the two. No, you can. <laughs> you know what I meant. Okay. <laughs> I had a really big growth spurt in sixth grade, and my vision went to. Sh- there you go. That's all the drugs back right there. Yeah. I feel like I should tell you, Connor, that was not a real question. What? <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> Just saying from personal experience. <laughs> yeah, so all that said, um, all great points all around the table here, but um, I would not do that trade. I, I, I thought about it. I actually played around with that uh, in a recent mailbag that I did, Andre Drummond for D'Angelo Russell, basically, with whatever other machinations you need. And I just think at the end of the day, you can't trade a ball handler for a center. You just can't do it. Even his quality. So, I mean, Andre Drummond, he gets you know 20 boards a game occasionally. I, I don't like the trade because I think that Andre Drummond, as, as statistically impressive as he is, is an empty stats guy Why? who's not a winner. Why? I disagree. Um, Just because he hasn't won? Or is there something you've seen about him that, that strikes you? Yeah, things I've heard throughout from people in the league. He, he doesn't – he's not – he doesn't go hard in the right ways. Um, he, I think he cares about his stats too much. Um, and I don't think that, as you mentioned, I don't think offensively he really fits what they're doing. And generally speaking, this is not a team. The Warriors offense is not a team. They're not a team that needs a big time center. I mean, I liked the, the Suns 
trade scenario because I also like Kelly Oubre, but they don't need like a 20 and 10 center to be at their best. I mean, they won three NBA titles without that. So, um, yeah, if the goal is to eventually go small with Draymond Green and another versatile forward at, at, in crunch time, then you don't want to be paying a center like max type money. Let me ask you a difficult question. Draymond Green still Draymond Green? Is he still Draymond Green? Uh-huh. Uh, no. I think that having Kevin Durant, I think among the most valuable things Kevin Durant did was actually play center when uh-huh. we all called Draymond Green the center. Because I don't know. Um, I'll say on one side, we have always said that Draymond's extreme talents, and they are extreme, are only accentuated when he is surrounded by really intelligent, also great players. Um, and that's not this year, so maybe we're not getting a real sense of who he is still. And maybe he ascends right back to where he was when everybody comes back. Or maybe, just maybe... We are seeing the kind of athletic decline we've been worried about for a while. Here's a stat that reflects that. I mean, he is shooting within five feet of the rim, his worst percentage since his second year in the league. I mean, when he couldn't shoot. Here's an objective fact. Draymond knows his goddamn value. Nobody, Draymond was not going to take less than he thought he was worth. He did not demand the max. So he knows something that maybe we have not necessarily spoken out loud. There's a reason I'm talking about it now. If Draymond is not Draymond, because he is the linchpin to this small defense, then do we need someone like Andre? You know, like if if we are looking Mm. at this team and we don't have the versatility in the front court to play defense and protect the rim, and next year... The versatility? That's that's exactly right. Yes. If, If we do not have what Draymond has previously provided us... Don't we need a big man to help down there? Just to be clear, um, versatility is a portmanteau of versatility and vitality, which is exactly what Draymond used to bring, just to point that out. (laughs) (laughs) But to what I was asking, am I off? You know, I mean, because that's, I think these topics are together. It's a philosophical question. What does Steve Kerr, what does Bob Myers, what do they see? Okay, in in post-prime Draymond Green, we were able to unlock a quote-unquote death lineup because of Draymond Green. Well, do we want to continue that philosophically with Draymond Green 2.0, whoever that may be, or do we just say... Anchor ourselves in the past with an Andre Drummond. And that's yeah. a legitimate question no, because we're seeing... like We just saw the Toronto Raptors win with Marcus Gasol at yep. center. Um, we've seen teams win with traditional centers. My guess would be that this light years, light years ahead team probably wouldn't go that way. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that they would go for, and try to find the next... Draymond Green, and that's why we keep hearing the Giannis rumors, but maybe you, maybe it's not quite Giannis, but something like that. Would you do it? I wouldn't, but I, I don't. I think Draymond's season is uh, is just. Uh, I think his shooting percentage is so far down this year, not because we're losing the Draymond that we knew, but because defenses are collapsing different when you don't have Steph and Clay outside shooting, and you have Pascal and. Jordan Poole out there like defenses are gonna you know like hit the hit the center a little bit harder so um I think it's a it's a little unfair to Draymond Green's game to say like well the way he's playing now is just because he's starting to fall off so I think he needs another year and he needs to play with our full team again and then we can actually evaluate if he's starting to regress or if he's still the Draymond because you know, like last year when they played Portland and, you know, he started averaging a triple-double, it's because he cares. We already knew he doesn't care about the regular season, and it's like we're in the middle of the regular season where he doesn't. He didn't care when he had Kevin Durant, Steph, and Clay. Like, why would he care now? And he doesn't have people to capitalize on his brilliance. This might yeah. be a poor analogy, but I'll say it. It's like having a brilliant engineer with terrible builders. Right. You know, I mean, what he does is he sees angles that nobody else sees. He understands where he needs to be on the defensive end or where the ball needs to be on the offensive end. But if the rest of the team can't complement that, then it doesn't matter. You know, it's nowhere there. His plans can be as phenomenal as they want them to be. But if the people who are putting them into action can't actually articulate them, then it's not going to, you know, go well. Right. And that's I why think, he slams basketball. For me, the biggest thing is just really this is a guy who yeah. needs stakes. He requires stakes yeah. to be at his best. Yeah. And there's no stakes right now. And um, you're seeing what his game subsists on, which is make, what makes him a really unique player, is he requires that 
that fire burning deep inside him to bring him to his best. And he needs outside factors to to bring that out. And they just aren't there. And when they aren't there, he's a very average NBA player. He's yeah. been a very average NBA player this and year. And to that frustration that you just spoke about, like when he slams the ball and then gets a tech and he says to the ref, you know why I'm frustrated. And the ref right. says, I know why you're frustrated. <laughs> I have suck. to call it though. Yeah. You know, and it's like yeah. there, everybody sees it and they yeah. know, like, I get it. But, you know, like, it's just. Can you imagine doing what he's doing? I mean, so like theoretically he understands that no one's there before he shows up to chase center he understands they're going to lose the game they're probably yeah. kind of trying to lose the game that it is what it is but actual experience you know put it in a different context you're a member of the greatest band of all time you are showing up and there are billions of fans who just love you like the responses to my twitter account and you know you you are surrounded by talent and knowledge and success and then one day you show up and it's just you <laughs> just you nobody else knows how to play for shit you know, all right. of the success is gone. Even if you had talked yourself into it, when it's happening, it sucks. Like, of course it sucks. Yeah. So I, that makes sense to me why he would explode. You know? Right. And then two two questions back to the spirit of, or two points back to the spirit of the question about, like, long-term building. Draymond Green, that IQ that you were talking about doesn't go away. That doesn't go away. So we just still have that. He's not going to play small ball center anymore. He's not going to bang up against big bodies anymore. But he could play the four in a small ball lineup, just like can in a normal traditional lineup. I think if you still have him as a rover type of player defensively with that IQ, he could still make a huge impact, kind of the way we're seeing LeBron do with the Lakers right hmm. now. Yeah. Offensively, and this we all talk about can D'Angelo and Steph work together, The real that's not a question. We know Steph can work off the ball and still be incredibly Hall of Fame type talent. Can The, the real stagger there is D'Angelo Russell and Draymond Green. Because Draymond, when Steph doesn't have the ball, who does have the ball? And do you want it to be Draymond, who can read the game that way? Or do you want it to be D'Angelo Russell, who goes into isolation, pick-and-roll mode? Right. That's the real question. So from a long-term building standpoint, that's what you have to ask yourself when it comes to Draymond Green. Do we have someone who can score on the pick-and-roll? We have someone who can deliver it. You know, either right. Steph or D'Angelo. I mean, there's some, we, have, we have two point guards who can do that. But is there currently a front court player who can finish at the rim like that? I think, like, ideally that person would be Marquise Chris because of his athleticism. Right. Yeah, right. Uh, like JaVale McGee, kind of like rim runner and right. just jump high and catch the ball higher than anybody else. Right. Thing. Like Willie, Willie Cauley-Stein and D'Angelo have shown a little bit of that, but I still think Willie Cauley-Stein's more of a transition player than he is, like, a brute kind of pick-and-roll guy. Yeah. And he would probably tell you that, too. Um, but I wouldn't say – I think that the Warriors actually have a, a hole at center, but I don't know it needs to be filled necessarily by a max player. Abrupt yeah. conversational switch. It's going to flip us to our last topic, and it's going to focus on an article you just recently wrote, Mr. Letourneau, about Clay Thompson. Um, it was filled with quotes that just caught my eye. So I want to read a couple of them to you and then see, uh, or rather ask you a couple follow-up questions. Here's the first. So what Connor was writing about, boys, just in case you did not check him out on the Chronicle, he was writing about not only Clay's retirement from Washington State. I don't know if you guys knew this. They never want to... They've never won a tournament, wow. so they're just yeah. It's, it's really surprising stuff. But he was writing not only about his, his blah blah blah. It's yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not only writing about that, um, but was writing about Clay's uh, retirement there. Was writing about his experience there and those kind of things. And so here's a quote from that article. Quote, and this was discussing Clay's uh, recruiting trip to uh, Washington State. Quote, after sinking more than 20 consecutive three-pointers in his flip-flops at the 11,671 seat Beasley Coliseum, Thompson. Went to forward Charlie Inquis' house, where he spent hours trying to beat the outlaws' green grass and high tides on the video game Rock Band, while his host watched in bewilderment. He was really good, but he couldn't beat it on expert, and he was getting frustrated, said Abe Lodwick, a former Washington State forward. I remember thinking, man, this kid is competitive. How would you describe Clay's competitive nature? Oh, it's incredible. It's it's on the same level as Draymond Green, but in a very different way. Why? It's much quieter. You know he's 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 a guy who's a monotone, chill dude. But if you've ever seen him on the basketball court in a high stakes game, he's in it as much as anyone else, and um, that's one of the reasons why he's truly great. And a lot of the stories I got from talk, I talked to maybe four or five of his former teammates at Washington State, and that they all kept bringing up examples of of that in Mario Kart. Super Smash Bros, uh, <laughs> Call of Duty. 
uh, he set up a, and it's in that story, but he set up an archery range in his living room in his duplex his junior year. Okay, let's say here. Here's your quote on that. About a month later, when Thompson got bored with Mario Kart, Super Smash Bros. and Call of Duty, he bought a bow and arrow and converted the living room of the duplex he shared with three teammates into a makeshift archery range. What is a makeshift archery range? <laughs> what do you mean he was shooting a I, bow I and arrow in his apartment? To explain it, right? Uh, yes, but you're destroying the question. I mean, I don't want to just read your goddamn article into the microphone, man. It was a setup. So he, he, they, they, <laughs> they got, let's cardboard, talk about the four cardboard bullhead. boxes, drew a target on cardboard boxes, and then set them up against a, a, a bed, a mattress that was against the wall to guard against. Whose idea was it to go and buy a bow and arrow? It was Clay's because he got bored with Call of Duty and he's like, maybe we can do Call of Duty in real life, guys. Let's do it. That was a great impression of Clay Thompson. For those of you who thought Clay Thompson was in the room, was not. That was actually Connor. Clay, we're trying to get him on the show and I know that could have been confusing. So our apologies for that. Um, Clay's got a lot of preconceptions. I've never spoken to him, but I feel like I know him. Right, Wes, you're in an interesting scenario here, and I'd like to hear your opinion on this. I would imagine you had access to stories about Clay before you came in. Now you've seen him at least once in the third quarter when he showed up super late. But your perceptions of him, do they match what you thought before you came in? Who is this guy from what you can tell? No, I think that was a good way you described it there. It's like I've never met him, but I feel like I know him, and he just sort of like is who he is. I. Uh, you know, talking to people around him, not only at Washington State, but just like around our team and just other reporters who have been around a lot longer than I have. It's just like, yeah, that's that's Clay. One, one of the things you always hear with Clay is, that's Clay being Clay. And it's just like sort of like his tagline. If like Clay Thompson was a sitcom, it would be called, that's Clay being Clay. <laughs> and it would just it would just be like stories like him setting up archery ranges. And that would be like a 28-minute episode and it would be phenomenal. I would Actually, I think the, we just got I think I had a great idea just now. <laughs> I would watch the hell out of that episode. I can tell Coming you. Coming this summer to TBS. I have played a ton of video games. I've played a ton of video games in a college setting. I have gotten bored of a ton of video games in a college setting. You know what I've never done? You know what we need to do next? Archery. Yeah. Like, let's get out there and get a bow and arrow and start shooting it into a yeah. homemade archery range. That's an insane leap to make it's as a human insane. you know what i do when i get bored of playing video games i just like watch tv and drink like that's it a hundred percent if my life depended on telling you where i could go buy a bow and arrow right now i'd die i don't know where the hell to buy an archery set how did he even know where to go to exercise that in particular goal also i don't mind telling you guys i used to beat this markers and video games non-stop <laughs> almost like just a non-stop ass beating is that true games. not 007 bond I used to kill true. Him. that is absolutely <laughs> false and do not listen to his <laughs> eyes golden eye you, you, you got the gold you got the you got the gold gun at the end yeah okay nice connor your response to this is equally as entertaining to me so you do know clay you know you've had an opportunity you've covered him for a while i've got two questions for you one is our common perception, this idea of Clay being Clay. Is it accurate? You know, having actually met him. And two, did you learn anything new about him while writing this story? Um, yeah, he, he, the Clay being Clay thing is 100% true because he's one of the most genuine people I've ever met in my entire life, in that he can't bullshit at all. He is who he is. Um, and that was kind of like reflected when he like called out the guy for calling him Steph in the press conference, right? Like most right. guys would just like let that just like go right off of him. Yep. Yeah. And in the, 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 what I tried to get at in that story is that in a lot of ways, his marriage with Washington state was a match made in heaven because Pullman is this really remote, obscure place that's in the pac 12 and they play, you know, the UCLA's and the, and the Arizona's every year. But they're kind of an afterthought yeah. and and he is the most low-key guy in the world who could go to a place like Pullman and just love life and and make clemonades which right. are fireworks and clementines and and make an makeshift archery range and, and and love life and that at his core is who Clay Thompson is is he is a genuine person who knows how to have fun knows who he is isn't jaded by fame right. or those things and um, that's why I have a lot of respect for him just as a person. You know, I've, he's actually my favorite player probably on the team. Huh. And I'll tell you what stuck out from that article, and it was a good one. 
was the ongoing love affair between Washington State and Clay Thompson. You got a bunch of quotes from people saying, look, he reps Washington State nonstop, not something we see out there a lot. And you got something from Clay saying, of course I'm happy I went to Pullman. You know, like that's that was a place that was built for me. So yeah. it seems like both of them are kind of still loving each other as, as passionately as they possibly can. Yeah, yeah. Know. And it's, you know, this is, a, this is a school that needs someone like Clay Thompson. You know, this is a school that... Um, I think is is struggling to stay relevant at times. Sure. You know, since before Clay Thompson, they hadn't hadn't had a great athlete. I'm not counting Ryan Leaf here. Okay, yeah, no, fair uh, that's very smart. Since yeah. uh, Drew Bledsoe, since I went to UC Santa Cruz, I can't identify with this at all. We are just an athletic powerhouse, but I can see how other schools may. Aren't have you guys undefeated in football? Undefe- in all sports, just oh. undefeated. <laughs> One of the advantages of not playing any sports is you never lose. You and are so undefeated are, in mascots. Though. We are. I love. You go f- I will not talk about that goddamn banana slug, and I am so f- tired of talking about that banana slug. It is unbelievable. Go Knights. <laughs> go Terps. Yeah, you know, no, you have to say go Knights. You're going to wear a sweatshirt. You're going to say the same. Sad. I don't goddamn own a Maryland sweatshirt. I mean, wait till Wes wears one. And Can then we do I'm a sure whole podcast will. on the sweatshirts that Connor owns? Is that, no. is that good content? <laughs> no, we cannot. Normally, you have amazing content, but I'm going to go ahead and say that one isn't the best of ideas. I have one question about Clay. So you got to know him and everybody knows kind of his love affair for Rocco, his dog. Um, if this scenario, if I could snap my fingers and make Clay and Steph healthy right now for the remainder of the season and he can play and he can be assured that he won't get hurt again, but he can't see Rocco until the end of the season, what are you doing? Ooh, that's a tough question. That's an incredible question. How did you uh, just come up with that? You haven't even you haven't even said that much tonight, and here you are. Let the record reflect when Wes said that's an incredible question. Marcus glanced over to make eye contact with me. F- yourself, <laughs> I would I would go as far as to say that was the best question asked on this. You whole already podcast. said it. You already said it. I I've been here. I haven't been able to hear the word incredible attached to me. Thank you for making it clear. And also, I hate UCF. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's honestly a hard question. 2017. Uh, <laughs> I, I do. I, Shout think, out I honestly think <laughs> he, I mean, I've talked to people who are close to him who told me like, he's seriously dating someone now. I think he's probably going to marry her. Beautiful actress. He's dating her. You can look it up online, but he, <laughs> have you? <laughs> no, but he is in a serious relationship with someone, but I've talked Anyone to his friends. dirty right now? His, col- <laughs> his college friends, told me like he hadn't really seriously dated anyone before her partly because he loved Rocco so much that like it's just he didn't need that in his life right, like right, right. you know it's it's just so the question was never see Rocco again no you can't see him until until the season's over until the season's over I think he picks Rocco I think he does I do yeah yeah so I that- also think like now that he's in it he in the time being off like it was hard at first but now he's like you know what this is kind of dope like i'm loving life like if you look at his instagram like he's making tons of money he's going to the beach he's hanging out with his beautiful girlfriend he's hanging out with rocco like life is good you know it's not bad so thank you so much. And it wouldn't be as good if Rocco wasn't in it. For joining us on this episode of Marcus's One Incredible Question. It's really I, been phenomenal. Maxime, I think you. when you're editing this, you should just distill the whole podcast down to that question. No, that's weird. I'll it'll be like exact a three minute I'd like you to question. edit this question out. Well, see, I'm pretty sure in your mind it was edited out. Because unfortunately, I can't bring into the audio component of this the blank stare that Bram had through this entire segment. He's like, I am out. Just me panicking, man. I passed out. What do you want from me? I passed out with my eyes open, and thank you for announcing that to the audience. That's phenomenally well done by you. Now I hate you like I hate UCF. This whole episode is getting away from me. Shaquem Griffin's underrated. <laughs> this might be yeah, a shock. Right, I, have, yeah. I have no idea who that is. They're both play, they both, both play the Seahawks. Seahawks yeah. yeah, it's pretty cool. Shaquille and Shaquem Griffin. So the cool thing about Shaquem Griffin, to, yeah, <laughs> they both went to UCL. Okay, Jesus Christ, how do I get out of this? <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us, and we are last question of the podcast, and it takes us back one topic, but it's an important question. Can you guys think of a single realistic superstar target the Warriors could get in a trade involving D'Angelo? 
The one that keeps being floated out there that I think is... You're right. That was an incredible question. Thank you so much for saying <laughs> that. Honestly, man, I don't know why nobody else said it, but Connor, thank you for saying it. Eight out of ten. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, ben Simmons. Uh, straight up? I, I'm not Ugh. sure it would be straight up. Mm. Would you do it? I wouldn't, personally. No, screw that. No. Ben Simmons is a worse fit than D'Angelo is. Hmm. Yes. Um, and I've actually... There's this... There's a guy on Twitter who has literally tweeted at me three times in the past 24 hours. Your names. I would have to look it up. I don't don't want to give him that credit. Can Ben Simmons play small forward? Can Ben Simmons play small forward? Yeah, he could. He can't shoot, man. Like if if we're like we've got shooting, it would be mm, you would have to trade Draymond. Like you would have to make that decision. And I just doesn't make sense. I I just you've got some institutional pedigree there. I just want to do it. Um, one they're, name that I've been thinking about. I mean, do, do we have more on Ben Simmons? No, I think they're around the same age too, so that kind of. I just I hate it. They're both ball dominant. They both need the ball, but at least D'Angelo can shoot. I would take like in a vacuum. I would take D'Angelo Russell over Ben Simmons right now. Okay. I would too for the Warriors. For just any team, like if I'm starting a team in like okay, you're Seattle. really down on Ben Simmons. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm, I don't like Ben Simmons. How about if you're looking at the 2019-2020 Warriors? Would you <laughs> would you prefer? No, I just like I don't think he'll ever be able to shoot. Like I think there's a real hard ceiling on him. Think, think about like I also think is, like, he's, he's like trying. not a great locker room guy. Whereas we've heard a lot of we've heard D'Angelo. Too much about contrary to popular opinion, great locker room guy. From what I've seen and from what I know you've seen, and and he knows Same more about D'Angelo than I do. He's a great locker. And I'll tell you what's great teammate. What spoke to me, what I learned both from your article and the episode we did about it, was how much he would like to feel like he's home. Mm-hmm. That he has been moving around everywhere, that he hasn't got an opportunity to like set down roots. Yeah. And that kind of motivation speaks to me. You yeah. know, just like human motivation. Like I can see why he'd want to do it. There's another well. level to what he can do once he feels that. Yeah. And I, I don't know that. that Ben Simmons has that because Ben has that level because he already has that part. No, like he's signed the big contract in Philadelphia. And he's been he's been welcomed in everywhere the everywhere Correct. he ever went. Yeah. Give us a name. Is there a superstar that sticks out to you? You think the Warriors could first let, so, do you think they could get Ben Simmons? Do you agree? I know that you wouldn't do it, but do you think they could get him? I don't think they it? could. I, I think Ben Simmons still is too much of the process thing. I don't think D'Angelo Russell is enough of an upgrade for them that they would do it it would be sort of a panic move on their part Mm -hmm. i think there is some there's an investment that they've made and i think there's a sunk cost fallacy involved in that but i just that's based on what i know about that front office i don't think they would it's not quite a superstar player but i think this player could become a superstar for the warriors and it's it's the name i keep going back to and i don't think how i don't know how viable it is now with markel fultz playing the way he is but jonathan isaac would be an incredible fit for what the warriors want to be doing there and uh, he's not a superstar now, but he's got superstar talent, dude. He had a superstar breakout year or two. This year, he has been he's been very, awesome, very good. And he's exactly what you want. If you want that guy that can let Draymond Green say he plays center, but not actually play center, yeah. Jonathan Isaac's the guy. Uh, he's got enough of that corner three. He's got enough of okay, I take you off the dribble, off a of bent defense kind of game, and a high enough ceiling that you can feel comfortable getting rid of a guy like D'Angelo Russell. Straight up, how's like that, that trade go? Um, I mean. What, so what's the Aaron Gordon machinations? Because it would be because that's the name I keep hearing. I hate the Aaron Gordon trade idea. I'm as, I'd rather have Ben Simmons, but uh, Aaron Gordon is straight up for D'Angelo Russell. I don't think Jonathan Isaac's on a rookie scale contract. You'd have to probably throw in some weird salary filler. What would you do? You're Bob Myers. I mean, assume we, I know we're not sitting in front of the trade machine, so we gotta we hope that the numbers work. But yeah. you want to call him up. You want Jonathan Isaac. You yeah. know what the Warriors have to offer. You'd probably have to throw in the draft pick. Yeah. I think it would have to be would a D'Angelo you? Russell draft pick. You know, Jonathan Isaac is very similar in a lot of ways to Wiseman. Wiseman's getting... getting Isaac. Yeah, but can Wiseman play power forward? Like, Jonathan Isaac, you could just roll out there at power forward. Minute I actually think that Wiseman might be better at power forward. He's never strong. I mean, the, the fact that Wiseman is no longer playing makes this such a I know, hard right? analysis. It makes it a remarkable That's why this analysis. draft is so hard. And I don't even all know. the top guys aren't playing. But yeah. to steal something that Maxime said a few weeks back, this analysis is going to be the new reality once players can come out of high school, right? Yeah. You're not going to see any of these guys in college because they won't have to. They're yeah. going to be coming right out of there. I'm so, looking forward to that. Well, then you should be happy that we have no uh, video on Wiseman. You know, like this is going to be the new reality as far as scouting is concerned. Um, would you do it? Jonathan Isaac. Not for D'Angelo and the draft pick. I think that's too much. Even given Isaac's upside, which I agree is is high. 
I just think that's too much because I think D'Lo is a solid, solid player. I, mean, I think, and for the record, drafted. I don't think the Magic would do it. I just, I like, I, I know I brought it up, but like, Markel Fultz looks good, dude. Yeah. And why, yeah. why mess with that at all? With, um, especially if, if you're a front office that's continually struck out on things. Well, and more than that, and winning that. If trade. one of the main reasons why Markel Fultz may have not have had the the year that everybody expected him to have in Philadelphia is because he had some confidence concerns. Then the last fucking thing you want to do is bring in an all star point guard who's breathing down his neck. You want to let him develop on the way that he's going to develop. Um, it, it's such an interesting scenario the Warriors find themselves in um, because a part of me, every time I talk to anybody, everyone tells me what you boys already did. This draft is awful. There's not going to be a difference maker, right? If that is a practical reality, then I would like the Warriors to move this pick before everybody else knows that as a yeah. practical reality. Bring in somebody whose ceiling and floor we know. Don't bank on Wiseman we don't know anything about. So if we could do that for Jonathan Isaac, I think I would. You know, I think I would. But I have not watched I have not watched one second for it. Like literally, not even don't highlights. I don't know anything about it. Worst <laughs> alternative jerseys in the league, the Orlando Magic. They don't make any sense. Don't watch them. How's his eyebrows? How's his eyebrows? Jonathan Isaac? Yeah. No, no, no. Spectacular. Wiseman. Wiseman. Isaac has good eyebrows too? John Isaac, spectacular. Wiseman, decent, not as great as Isaac. Um, and that, that's my eyebrow take. And it was a phenomenal. Uh, this segment is called Who Says No, right? Yeah. Okay, so Who Says No? Uh, Bob Myers calls up Masai Ujiri, says, hey, D'Angelo Russell for Kyle Lowry, straight up. Warriors. Need the Warriors say no. Injury history. And fit. I mean, Kyle, Steph, Kyle can guard. Clay. Kyle can guard both backcourt positions. It's true. And D'Angelo fits Pascal Siakam's window. If you're Toronto, did Kyle through last year's championship show that he is in fact mature enough to lead a team in those types of situations, or did he just file or follow uh, Kawhi? Right, because the last time we saw Kyle Lowry in a real pressure situation, at some point he had to take himself out of the game and go into the bathroom and tell himself, "Like, take this seriously." Right. So, mm. is he a primetime player now, or was he just able to finally play with somebody who was a primetime player and coasted on their coattails? But that slides Clay to the three again, which yeah. we don't want to do, right? Like, yeah. What's Warriors' obsession? Like, Warriors fans, no offense, but like, what's the obsession with playing Clay Thompson at the three versus the two? What's the freaking? I'm so offended by that. Go. Yourself. I cannot believe that you just asked me that. No. Um, What's the difference? Like, the, how many like teams play with three guards? Like, small forwards don't even like exist anymore. No, offensively, like. not at all. The question for me is, can Clay guard the three? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think so we've if, seen that. If he can, then if we bring in. I think it's almost easier for him to guard the three than the two. Then that that adds a lot of flexibility. Um, here, cap it this way: Will the Warriors make a major trade before February sixth? No. No. Do you do do you count? Alec Burks, who's no. technically their leading right. scorer, considering that D'Angelo hasn't played enough games. Will they trade to him? Qualify? De- will they yeah, trade yes. Burks? Uh-huh. Um, I would say above a 50% chance. Generally speaking, the season starts right about. Um, He's got decent eyebrows. Yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah, no, he does. He absolutely does. Uh, generally speaking, the season starts right around Halloween. Will the Warriors make a major trade before Halloween? Yes. Yes, because I think they're going to trade D'Angelo. Yep. This summer. Do you agree? I mean, this free agency class is pretty weak, which would lend itself to a team making a panic trade. I just don't know who's going to be available. That's the thing. That's What I keep coming to with D'Angelo Russell is, okay, who's the guy that's going to be available? I would say no, actually. I think we I see. I think we just found out tonight. DeAndre Ayton and Kelly Oubre. Kelly Oubre. Oh. Broken on the Warriors huddle. <laughs> Let's go. I think it depends on how deep some of these teams go in the playoffs. Like if Milwaukee crashes out, if Philly crashes out, I think you'll start to get some of those panic moves by some of those GMs. There's fire sales. Yeah, like Elton Brand may panic if if Philly crashes out. Yeah, you never know. Like Indiana could get Oladipo back, and they want to go on a crazy run, and they play Milwaukee in the finals. Philly zagged when everyone else zigged. Right? They went big. They've got a really big roster. If they they. bed that first round and it proves that this is not going to work it would make a lot of sense Al Horford and draft picks for D'Angelo Russell to f- how old is Al I thought about that yeah. how old is he ancient man yeah how old is he like, yeah, do we know yeah I mean that would that would depend on me if if like how many more years does he have left because the fit works but I think he's got I think he's minus years right now I don't think he's the same yeah. <laughs> well, then, he's no. negative yeah. he's 33 okay, but go. defensive center 
Who was the other shooting guards you were talking about during the trade? I'm just joking. It was Bruce I don't think it does now. I died. We do not want to know. It was poor humor. Luke Kennard. I was about to say Kennard. Yeah. <laughs> I like him. When, I think Detroit likes him too. This is not like a fantasy guy. podcast. We are not going to be talking about Luke Kennard for any portion of time Sweet at left all. Hand jump shot. Instead, I will give you guys both compliments. You know how much I appreciate your work. I appreciate your time in this show even more and even more than that. I'm not alone, and I know that for a fact. People are listening right now who suddenly realize they need far more of your opinions. Let's give them a place to go. Connor, start with you. Those of us who need more Letourneau in their lives. You can find me on Twitter at con underscore cron at sfchronicle.com backslash warriors. I also have my own podcast, Warriors Off Court. Subscribe on iTunes. And uh, yeah. One of my favorite pods. Pains me to say, but might even be better than this one. Wes, where can we find you? Which pod? The Off Court pod? Both of your guys' pods. How about no, that? No, no, no. I don't know about <laughs> he, that. He hates my podcast. His podcast is garbage. Uh, it's, I'm just kidding. You should listen to it. This Actually, is my favorite part of the podcast. <laughs> Holy sh- can we just lead with this? This is the whole thing right now. We've gone through three fake titles of this podcast. Let me give it a fourth. Welcome to Fodder's Podcast. It's a weekly segment that we like to do. He did one. He did one episode this summer that was really good. I was on it. Uh, I can't. I can't have him on anymore because we're competition now. So. I couldn't tell. I, who could possibly know that you guys were in competition? I'm on. I'm on TikTok. You can follow me there. Um, I don't really know what that is. Uh, WC Goldberg at all social media things. My work is at the internet. It's fine. I can't tell you how much. I he love also you. has a really shitty podcast. I do. It's called Locked On Warriors. Um, <laughs> Your TikTok account is called Dancing with Wes, right? It's fantastic. Dancing with Wes and Clay's apparently a really hot he has girlfriend. He a podcast that he records in 10 minutes on a phone conversation. So. Top quality quality. Oh I'm being serious. Yeah. I will step in now before there's blows thrown. Huge fun, you guys. True every week. Certainly true this week. Please remember you want to reach out to us. We can be hit up at warriorshuddle at gmail.com. Our Twitter account is at warriorshuddle. Our Patreon account, you just have to go on to Patreon and look up warriorshuddle. You'll find us remarkably fast. Let me say this the easiest way I can. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for donating us some of your time. Thank you for everything. Go Warriors. Hopefully. Go Knights. We'll see you next week. Good, good. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done.